You're doing the speed run, by the way. Yeah, I, I don't remember enough of this movie. That's fine. You're because like, guess what? Everybody died. The end. <laughs> False. Three Actually, people. too many people didn't die. Not enough deaths. Welcome back to Shaking Not Scared. Here with you as always, Eric and BB. Today we're talking about the 2007 movie Battle Royale, directed by Kinji Fukasaku. I apologize if I said that wrong. Before we get into that, how are you, BB? It's a new year. Happy New Year! You filthy animals. Is that Merry Christmas? That's Merry Christmas. Oh, well, you're still <laughs> filthy, but I love you. I started off the year with COVID. Good start. Good oh, start. I was just kidding about being filthy, but I guess, oh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> no, I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad you're fine. Yeah. But I don't look fine. You look fine. COVID, no COVID. You look the same. Hat, bitch. no hat. <laughs> yeah, I wear these hats because I don't do my hair for these, okay? I know a lot of people rock these pretty well. I feel like I look like a peanut head, but <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Pinhead Larry. And... What's the other one? Dirty Dan? Yes. But yeah, no, it's a good new year. This movie also is a good pick for starting the year off fresh, you know, kill off all your characters. Yeah. Clean slate. Just get rid of everybody. <laughs> yeah. So before we jump into it, What's your creepy content? Okay, so because I was in the throes of disease, I was actually able to watch a couple movies. One being Incantation, which is on Netflix that I've wanted to see for like ever. Never got the chance to. And then a day or two after being sick, I saw everyone tweeting about the movie Possession, which is now available on Shudder. It's a movie from the 1980s. Watched both of these. I'll start with Incantation. It was not as scary as I wanted it to be. It had so much potential. It is so much like The Ring. Haunted video, haunted story. Woman's basically trying to save her daughter from a curse and curses everyone watching the film. It had a lot of potential, but it just didn't scare me. It was so, so involved. I guess maybe I was too sick to catch all the details of it. <laughs> just too loopy. Like, oh. Yeah, it, like it's got so much going on. I feel like you blink and you miss it. It suffers from something that we'll probably talk about in this movie, which is just bad. Oh, is it dubbing? Okay, is it yeah. language? Yes, it's Where's in Mandarin. 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 Okay, could also be why I missed a lot of it. Possession was a wild movie, not in the way I thought it would be. It was a film that I I probably don't recommend to everyone, especially if you're not someone with a longer attention span. This film's two hours, and it's two hours that almost plays out like a relationship drama with. Mm minimal horror in their cut as it's just implied horror oh no there is some like messed up stuff that happens okay. in the end it is just uncomfortable to sit through like i've never had two hours where i just felt like more tense and uncomfortable for what was going on with this couple because essentially it's about a failing marriage you sit with them and it gets really weird it's a fascinating film i had to look up what it meant interesting i don't know if i recommend it to everyone though now i feel like you should go watch it because have you seen that marriage story the one with scarlett johansson and adam driver it's not a horror movie completely no. off topic but because that's like also about a failing marriage and you also feel uncomfortable you see how they get along but they don't and you're like oh no this is going to shit but is it that with horror elements i think it's more intense than that i haven't seen that movie i've seen the memes of it yeah. like when it came out it's more dark i would say okay. and there is definitely more 
intense moments of horror in it. Okay. Yeah, I'll check it out. I think I saw you watching it when I was walking by. You were like, making this? sure I was alive. Making sure you're breathing. Loki does that for me most of the time. He just puts his nose on your nose. Yeah. With his hot ass breath. <laughs> this nasty ass breath. And when I hear you cough, like, oh, Loki, get away. She's alive. Yeah, I'm like, she's fine. How cool. about you? I did a lot, actually, over the last few weeks. I started streaming on Twitch for our show. So if you have Twitch or ever care about that kind of stuff, go to twitch.tv. Scared. I started streaming on there, different video games. I started watching uh, Monsterland series. I watched, actually, I didn't write it down, but we watched Troll Hunter. Christina from Spooky Tales joined me for that one. It's pretty funny. I haven't seen it since college. I think it still holds up. It's like a creature feature, basically, and plays into the lore of behind the scenes, the government is hiding that all these natural disasters are happening, but in reality, they're happening because of trolls. And so there's this like one guy in all of Norway who hunts trolls. That almost sounds comical. <laughs> it is funny. Yeah. You get enough troll action i think to merit the two hours there's like different kinds of trolls but it is cool i think it holds up it was a fun time but it has that same problem with the dubbing being bad we watched it in english because that's the only thing that tubi had i watched it originally with the sub subs are just always better i feel like um i'm melita do you mind i don't want to be like a snob that's like uh do the sub versus the dub but i will say that dub makes things so difficult to understand sometimes yeah we'll get to it with battle royale but i oh, remember yeah. watching this movie and i told you it was so good because i felt like the actors and you could tell because even though we watched it in english dub you could tell the actors are acting their heart out oh, especially yeah. the main guy nanahara but you don't capture that with the horrible dubbing that they did the other stuff that i did we watched a bunch of altered horror shorts that's altered from youtube there was one that's like a retelling of the labyrinth story which ended up having a twist at the end which was pretty cool i watched a couple of christmas ones i told you this one was fucked up it was like the elves they have these like dark elves who come and pick up homeless folks fatten them up to make them the santas that are in like the malls and like go and visit kids and stuff like that just to put them back on the street once the holiday season's over and then do it all over again so they get them addicted yeah. to this looking for these elves and then they just sound crazy when they're like an elf brought me to like work this job and the elves are like yeah. nah, nothing to do with me yeah that sounds very dystopian yeah and awful it's kind of messed up there's a bunch of messed up and all yeah. the shorts are kind of good so you should check those out and then monster land i feel like i'm going on forever so i'm sorry but i did watch a lot you did. <laughs> for once i can finally say i took some time for myself i only watched the first episode i want to keep going on stream so if you want to watch monster land let me know but the first episode was cool it was kind of like a changeling story i think no i think i confirmed that it wasn't a changeling thing it was like just some face swapping being and so it does a lot of like red herrings where you think the bad guy is gonna kill the main girl and she also does a lot of really fucked up shit because she's got like this own problem with her kid it's kind of messed yeah. up i don't know what this episode's trying to say <laughs> but go check it out uh, i'm excited to see some of the other episodes because one of them takes place in illinois other than that you almost threw up but the mortuary assistant is a video oh, yeah. game where you have to embalm bodies fast enough to not get possessed by a demon that's in one of them and i wish i could play these games but i don't know if it's just the way you play it so chaotically and you constantly move the camera around rapidly i'm just like i can't i'm gonna puke i move the mouse <laughs> at the speed at which i would in real life is that what you're at all the time just <laughs> fucking ten. yeah because yeah, when it's too slow and then like you're trying to run from stuff it's like oh no i didn't move the mouse fast enough it is intense there's different kinds of visions that you see there's like a mimic which is a white-faced demon looking thing and then there's the shadow man which is like the red eyes but it's like a dark figure and then there's a woman in white which i haven't seen yet but i've heard because i've only played three shifts of it i had my skin crawling at least that first night and i think because you were helping me in the beginning i was kind of like all right this is cool and then you started just like no i'm not gonna watch anymore i was like i need your help we need to get out of here <laughs> 
if you want to go check them out, I did record them. We created a separate YouTube channel just to like have the streams on there. So if you do want to watch old ones and see what we're talking about, go check them out. I'm going to keep posting them on there too. So if you don't watch on Twitch, it's fine. That's pretty much all I got for creepy content. It's been pretty creepy. I like it. Creepy little break. Yeah. Creepy comfort content. I kind of almost was like, this is comfort because gaming also distresses me. That sounded like it distresses me like it, it panics me distresses me <laughs> while also de-stressing me mm. what do you have for Lovely. comfort content well again due to being sick it doesn't it kind of suck that when you're old being sick almost feels like a vacation because suddenly you get time to do what you want but you feel like shit but not really because your job's like where you at <laughs> yeah let's not talk about that <laughs> but we have been watching naruto for the absolute longest time and we finally are doing it again it's getting hot i think the last time getting hot about... it's getting real sexy <laughs> it really is <laughs> that one scene where sakura held naruto super close and he's like don't lie to me that's hot to you <laughs> <laughs> that makes it look like he smacked her and you were like, that's hot. I mean, he smacked her hand away from him. Like, don't touch me. <clears throat> Stop lying. But I think the last time we talked about Naruto was like last winter also. Next year, we'll get back to you on the next few episodes because that's probably the next time we'll watch it. Is that all you got? Yeah, that's all I got. I don't have anything too different either. I've mentioned Jarvis Johnson in the past. He's a YouTuber that I've watched his like commentary on, but he's been doing Moment of Truth, which is such a messed up show. You heard some of it yesterday. Yeah, I heard you watching it and I'm just like, why? The questions that they ask these people are so insane there's also a lot of like slut shamey questions so there is i've noticed like, that a possessive husband is like the one in the seat and then they're like asking this wife like have you ever talked to another man without your husband knowing like bro she could talk to whoever the fuck she wants yeah i've only heard a couple <laughs> questions asked but they're just like it'll be like a girl's mom's there in the audience and they're like have you ever in your life seen someone's genitalia <laughs> and our mom's like oh my god no the one today that I saw was like a dad is in the hot seat. They asked him, have you ever seen pornography without your wife knowing? And his daughters are on the chair. Oh my and God. And they're like teenagers. <laughs> Babe, he was too eager to say yes. The guy wasn't even done asking the question. He's like, yes. Oh, fuck. Like you could tell he was like, oh shit, I was supposed I to I messed wait. up. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yes. Wow. Reality TV, huh? <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah. Early 2000s TV was so unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> on the sour note, let's talk about this week's drink future us take it away past us is relying on us making a january dry drink yeah i don't think we mentioned that on the show but we are doing dry january like we always said we were gonna do we're finally getting around to it we have a problem and we are fixing it we don't have a problem but we are old and need to make healthier decisions someone on twitter said we just need more vitamin d and to hydrate before baby. drinking just in general. Oh, okay. <laughs> they said, you're not 30. You just suck at eating. <laughs> <laughs> they might be right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's in the future and I'm still testing positive for COVID and I'm still trying to make this hat work for me. Oh yeah. You do look exactly like you did when we recorded this so we could go. Sick. Uh, it's a different <laughs> sweater. Okay. I showered. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're doing dry January, we decided to make a drink that we saw on TikTok. It's actually not our drink. It's from a creator that goes by Ruthie Ann on TikTok. You're going to take raspberries, strawberries, and blueberries and mash them up with a muddler. You're going to fill your cup with ice after you muddle it. You're going to fill it with Yakul is what I grew up knowing it as. I don't know what you called yes. it. It's a Japanese probiotic drink. And we topped it with Sprite, which is a combination of flavors I've never heard of before. Yeah, I'm actually worried now that I heard all know what's in it because i was like oh sprite and berries is not really bad but it looks so cute and if you actually like stir it it looks like there is blood and guts in there it does it looks like a battle royale happened in this drink already ready to try it yeah let's do it 
<laughs> Our teeth with the metal straws. Yeah. Do, do, do. It tastes like just one big ass yeah cool. It's delicious. Yeah. I love this. Oh, you're finishing it. It's really good. <laughs> it's delicious. Great drink. I can't imagine drinking this in the summer, like on a really hot day. Yeah, what do you rate it? For me, this is a five out of five. Now, if you do want to add something adult theme into it, I know the creator originally made it with soju, flavored soju, and there's a ton of flavored soju flavors. It probably would also go good with rum. Yeah, I think it'd be a great rum drink. Yeah, I'd give this a four and a half. Do you have a transition for us? No, go drink <laughs> this or else your collar is going to go off. Well, that was good. I don't know what our reviews were, but go try it anyway. Tell us what you think about it. Do you have fun facts for us? I do have fun facts for you. So I would like to preface these fun facts by saying we are trying to pronounce these names and we know we are absolutely butchering them and we're sorry. The dubbing did worse, I think. Honestly, so. <laughs> okay, so the first one being the most obvious one that this film is based on a novel by the same name, Battle Royale, written by Koshan Takami. That's our best try. That's our best try. It was obviously a very controversial novel. It is about a bunch of ninth graders killing each other. And the Japanese government tried to get the novel banned. Subsequently, when this film was in production and being made, the Japanese government also tried to censor it and get it banned unsuccessfully. Which is so funny given the message of this film. Right. A bit ironic. <laughs> but it went on to be one of Japan's biggest films, like one of the top 10 in history. But Love this movie. I, I see nothing but amazing reviews, amazing praise for what goes on. I think where Battle Royale has its like pitfall is that because it is based on a book, it has the same effect that most books that are turned into movies have, which is that they lose a lot of detail. Yeah, I think it would have benefited from the Hunger Games treatment and getting a couple movies just for the first novel. Funny that you mentioned the Hunger Games, though, because there was intention to create a American remake of this film, mm. which I, I don't know. No. I have issues with always having to have an American remake. Yeah. But apparently production of that kept getting pushed back and kept getting pushed back up until the year 2012 when the actual Hunger Games films started coming mm. out. And Hollywood basically said they are too similar People will think that we just ripped off the Hunger Games, even though Battle Royale came out in 2000. Mm, that's upsetting. I think I would have rather had no remake. Yeah. And just push this one more. It's a 2000 film, and it definitely feels like it. But I think it stands time, too. Technically, this film was not even released in the U.S. officially until 2012 because of mm. like copyright issues, getting the right distributor to put it out there. The way American audiences found out about this was through like, bootlegging and and things like that actually that makes sense 2012 yeah. i was a sophomore and i think that's when i saw it when i read what it was about i was like i have to watch this now and i did and it was amazing <laughs> loved it the epitome of college another fun fact there are no stunt doubles used in this film all the actors do their own stunts does that make sense to you why are you laughing i'm laughing because there are a couple of stunts that i'm like wow they really overacted that one <laughs> they had to nobu when he gets shot in the beginning he does like a oh he completely yeah <laughs> i mean he went for it he did they went for it because the process of selecting these actors was that they started with like a ridiculous number and narrowed it down to 800 kids for the role of 42 and they put them through like a rigorous six-month physical training battle royale. <laughs> battle royale and the ones that survived made it in the movie oh shit yeah six months of like physical training in order to cast the perfect actors who were able to do the stunts and act it's actually really funny <laughs> it sounds like they had to go through a battle royale to get to, to get the role royale. yeah yeah 
to get the battle roll. <laughs> Damn. <for> the Royale. <laughs> Bars. <laughs> Interesting. I do think that everyone, again, the dubbing ruins it, but everyone acts their heart out. They all are iconic. I don't think there's a single character that I'd say was forgettable. This is going to sound weird, but even in death, you're like, oh, those kids died. Wow. Their death was crazy, you know? I would say some of the characters that died in the immediate beginning, I do not recall. I think I do because I wrote the write-up. You did the write-up, <laughs> so yeah. I know every character's name, actually, now. I think the only ones that we don't see die are the two girls that are like, we'll always be best friends. And she's like, I know. And then later... They're just dead. They're just dead. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, what happened here? Yeah. I think those are the only two that I'm like, I don't know why they just died off screen. Everyone else got like a at least a flash of how they died. Yeah. Those two were just like slow-mo flashback to them saying they're best friends. That is pretty much all I have for fun facts. Mm, Maybe have one or two more to sprinkle in as we go, but... I'm excited for more. You got a battle royale for this uh, speedrun, though. I can tell you right now. We saw this movie last week and i remember almost nothing <laughs> i should have 3d printed a collar and, oh and, and put, put it on put it my on neck during the during the speed run you could put that in <laughs> oh yes that's a good idea are you ready then i, I really don't remember anything do your best are we watching some kids <laughs> bluey show? oh i guess that was comfort content i was watching bluey while i was sick Bluey's a good show it's cute you've seen it oh well we've watched a couple episodes with our friends I really like the uh, hide and seek one. Not the hide and seek one. What was it? The uh, they're looking. They're backtracking their steps to find out where they left something. Something. Yeah. yeah. And the dad's like messing with them the whole time. Yeah, I like that one. Oh, you ready? Absolutely not. Three, two, one, battle royale. Okay, we open on like a bunch of flashing cameras, um, like media coverage on this little girl. It's a little girl that's like holding a bear, but she's covered in blood, and everyone's like, "She's the winner of this year's battle royale." We may or may not have gotten like a weird introductions before or after this, but it did not really make a lot of sense to me other than that the government does this to make adolescents pay for what they did. Stop laughing. Um, we cut to this class uh, that's obviously going to be the next one selected. Uh, the One of the kids like stabs the teacher. My mom's calling me right now. Um, that is really distracting <laughs> me. <laughs> Okay, so basically they go on a class trip and it's like their school trip and they're knocked out and they wake up in a classroom where they're basically given the in instructions of Battle Royale. They all have to fucking kill each other and one kid has to be left. They're thrown out there into the world. There's two transfer students who are like really good at killing for some reason. And then um, everybody dies at the end. <laughs> Except three people who teamed up together. The main characters. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You know, I think this is like the only one that actually works with that. It is. I finally made it. I should have worn the shirt today. You should have. I didn't plan ahead. <laughs> I was laughing at the beginning because you spent so much time on the intro scene where they showed the little girl who won. And I was just laughing because of the reporter. I can't tell you how many times she's like, it's a girl. It's a girl. Is she smiling? It's a girl. It's yeah. a girl. Play that audio at like a birthing. It's a girl. Is she smiling? Oh that my is God. Is she terrifying. smiling? <laughs> it's a girl. Repeat. It's a girl. It's a girl. <laughs> yeah. Is that Mario? <laughs> yeah. That was my <laughs> yeah. attempt at that. Well, that was a really good job. You did it. Under a minute. Yeah. Barely. <laughs> I'm ready to jump into it, if you are. I also want to get your thoughts around, like, does this count as a horror movie? I would say yes, because it classifies as a dystopian future. And I think it points out the horrors of a fascist government. Now... I don't know what the political climate of Japan was at the time, but in the way that 
let's say if you're not familiar with this movie, but you're familiar with The Hunger Games, it's a fantasy, but there is like horrific acts committed on children. I think you could get away with classifying this as horror. Yeah, because it's also playing with the fact that dictatorship would lead to something like this, where the youth has no say in anything to do with their future because you have to do what we're telling you or you die, which is... Scary in, in and of itself. I just wanted to ask that because I was like, it is a really action-y film. They definitely play up on the murder. There's a one character who's like just so happy to yeah. kill other students. and Has crazy bloodlust. Yeah. I think because it got banned in so many countries for its disturbing topics, for its disturbing imagery of children murdering each other, you could classify it as horror. Cool. So I want to make sure, put that out there. If you agree, disagree, let us know. But let's jump into it. An epic intro starts that explains the country collapsed at the start of the millennium, where 10 million people were unemployed and almost 800,000 students stopped going to school, turning to crime instead. Just like the MCR song, Teenagers says the adults were afraid and created the Millennium Educational Reform Act or the Battle Royale Act. I say teenagers because they're like, teenagers scare the sh- living shit out of me. I was going to say, I missed that lyric in that song where they say <laughs> Millennial Education Reform Act. <laughs> millennial Education Reform Act? Yeah, Millennium. Oh, oh, fu- so it's the Battle Royale Act. A news anchor walks into a crowd of people explaining there's a girl. I can like, say it a thousand more times if you want. But she says that a girl won. A girl. A girl. Girls. <laughs> won the most recent battle that took two and a half days. She repeats she endlessly was. that she's the winner and it's a girl and she's smiling. <laughs> a wee bit sexist, first of all. Yeah. Seems surprised that a woman won <laughs> this. Also, she was bloodthirsty if she finished it in two and a half days. But she's definitely creepy grinning she at the camera. She's like, ha yeah, I did. Although I think you, you would go insane, killing all your friends. Absolutely. Yeah. We meet Nanahara, who explains his mom left when he was in fourth grade, and his father hung himself when he was in ninth grade. Nanahara discovers the body coming home from school, and a paper that reads, Go, Shuya. You can do it, Shuya. Before throwing up at the site. He says everything went to shit after, and we see a teacher at school get stabbed in the leg by who we later see is Nobu. A girl named Noriko picks up the knife and just watches as the teacher washes off his wound. Nanahara narrates that the teacher left the school after that incident, and we get a super heartfelt scene of the students of Class B in a basketball game against another team while the rest of them cheer. Nanahara says that even with everything going on, they always manage to have a grand old time. So much happens in this movie in general <laughs> i know it was like one paragraph and i was like there was a basketball game and a teacher got stabbed wild <laughs> <laughs> what? that's high school for you the unaliving scene of his father i find it odd that his suicide note is written on a long it's, toilet, it's paper. toilet paper okay it's on toilet paper why i don't think it's ever explained because then like he gets a flashback to it at the end and it's what drives him to pull the trigger on the person who's trying to kill him. And he's like, yeah, motivation. But I'm like, what? <laughs> what does it mean? Yeah, what's the message? The students are on a coach bus having a good time when some of them notice military outposts along the way. Noriko and Megumi offer Nanahara and Nobu cookies before taking a picture together. And we learn that Noriko was the one that convinced Nobu to come back to school. The bus enters a really long tunnel and we cut back to the inside of the bus where we can see all of the students are passed out except for Nanahara who wakes himself up. He looks at the cookies while a lady in front wearing a gas mask notices him and knocks him out. I don't know if you've ever seen this film show before, but I remember seeing like something about it way back in the day on like Tumblr. It's a very, very almost shot for shot scene of this. I thought it was actually in this movie where a girl is on a school bus 
and she just happens to like bend over to pick something up and then the entire school bus gets beheaded oh. and she gets up and she's like what the fuck have you seen this is I've this seen a movie the gif yeah what is this from i don't know i thought it was battle royale no 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 Unless it's the sequel, but... Oh, baby. If you know, please tell me. I want to know what that's from. The students all wake up in a classroom wearing devices around their neck and notice there are two other students they don't recognize watching ominously over them. The teacher, Kitano, who was stabbed earlier, enters the room with a bunch of armed men. The students are in shock as Kitano explains he's taking over their class and introduces the transfer students, Kawada and Kiriyama. These two are styled like crazy they're the only ones like distinguished they're given like crazier hair a headband and like a muscle shirt yeah i think we even said one of them is dressed like cowboy bebop except with red hair instead of green the students start asking questions while katano writes br on the board asking them if they've even heard of the br act he notices nobu and explains he'd always thought he was a lost cause who ended up quitting school anyway he points out it's funny that nobu thought he could come back for the class trip Nobu makes a face at him, but Kitano hits him over the head and explains it's people like him that are the reason the country's going to shit. Therefore, they'll all have to kill each other in Battle Royale until there's only one of them left. <laughs> Way to escalate it. So quickly. Y'all are a bunch of snot-nosed kids. You know what you need to do? Off each other. Obviously. Logical. Or else you won't learn. The thing that I find odd about this storytelling-wise is at the beginning, there seems to be so much media coverage over the winner of the last battle royale how do these students not know about the battle royale program you bring up a good point because kawada spoiler alert is a survivor of a battle royale as well i guess is it implied that this is like the second or third year because the girl won that other year kawada won another year so it's already been going on for at least two years. Yeah. How would they not know? Unless the point is that, because Nanahara earlier is like, as much as shit was going crazy in the real world, we were at least happy in our own little world in the high school. Out of sight, out of mind. It's not affecting me. So I'm just But then you still going. wouldn't be surprised. You'd still be like, oh, I've kind of heard about that. You know, it's also kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it is. But ignorance is bliss. I suppose. Well, it's never going to happen to me, so I don't have to worry about it. And then once it's happening to you, you're like, this is too nightmarish to be real. Pinch me. Okay. The students can't believe it, but Kitano shows them their teacher's dead body and says he was opposed to the whole idea. The students are in shock, but Kitano just puts on a video explaining the rules. The students are just in shock this entire time. Kitano's the only one having a good time watching the video, though. It's actually kind of funny because he's acting like a little child. The teacher's like, hello, class B. And he's like, hello. Hi clapping and shit yeah i think this teacher is creepy for a lot of reasons <laughs> that we'll find out the video explains they'll be fighting on a deserted island when katano notices one of the students whispering and throws a knife straight at her face he was so ready to do that too ready and then he's like is it illegal for me to kill a student myself too i mean late. it's too late dude. yeah <laughs> the students run in a panic as katano pulls his knife out of her face but the soldiers should just shoot warning shots for the students to get back one of the shots hits noriko in the arm so nobu attacks katano but katano just slashes him in the leg and shoves him off to get hit by one of the soldiers this is when he does that like <laughs> crazy <tumble>. flip yeah. <laughs> Kitano waves for them to get back to watching the video as it explains the island is being split up into different zones that will occasionally become danger zones. The collars around their necks are shock and waterproof and can't be taken off. They also monitor their heart rate and where they are. If they're in a danger zone or doing something they're not supposed to, they can send a signal to the collar causing it to explode around their neck. What does that mean? It measures my heart rate and they're like, oh shit, it's 110 beats per minute. What are they doing? They're panicking. They're fighting for their fucking lives. 
Nobu goes off so Kitano makes an example of him by turning his collar on. The collar starts to beep and flash red as Kitano says the rest of them should get away from him. The students shove him away while Nobu screams for help until finally his neck explodes right in front of Nanahara spraying blood everywhere. They all try to like stop him but they're all also kind of like get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> Including Nanahara and Noriko. Well I don't know what you would do at this point. Do you save your friend? Do you believe what they're saying? They just killed the kid. Clearly, they have no intention of keeping you guys alive. Kitano hates this guy because he stabbed him. He was, again, just waiting for this. Nanahara cries over Nobu's body, finding the picture they took earlier. We also get a title card that says, do you have a crush on anyone? Which comes out of nowhere. <laughs> There's a lot of random flashbacks. Nanahara angrily tries going for Kitano, but the other students pin him down so the video continues. They'll have only three days, and if there isn't only one survivor, they'll kill all of them. Mimura asks why they were chosen and why they're doing it, so Kitano explains it was random and that it's their fault for disrespecting adults. They'll have to fight to survive and decide whether their survival is even worth it. I feel like there's more to that, right? I don't think it was just because you suck and adults are like, you need to be disciplined. I was going to say that those stakes are very high. You disrespect an adult, you fucking die. Yeah. I think it's a bit intense. the part that has meaning is decide whether your survival means anything. Are you going to grow up and be somebody or are you going to just like throw your whole life away? Which is not the way you should teach anyone this lesson. No. Men enter the room with a rack full of bags and the video explains they'll all get some food, water, a map, compass, and one random emphasis on random yeah. weapon. <laughs> the video then calls out each student by numbers so they can get their bag and head off. Each student runs and gets their bag aggressively thrown at them. I remember telling you I would have dropped that. There's no way I would have caught it. The way they throw them at these people's faces. <laughs> yeah, fucking chill, dude. When Kawada is called, he runs out ready as hell but slows down before we see the other student Kiriyama called. Kawada runs back in bumping Kiriyama demanding a different bag and Kitano tells the rest of them these two are actually pretty dangerous so they should be careful. I mean we get it. They're the new guys that nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. They're dangerous. Kawada is actually a badass here. Kiriyama also has like, got this like swagger about him but Kawada comes in and is like fuck this bag. That's my bag. Does he think it's empty or did he check the weapon and he's like fuck that. I need a better weapon. <laughs> yeah, I got binoculars. Right. Nanahara gets called and we follow him outside to find Tendo with an arrow through her neck. She collapses in front of him and before he can figure out what's going on, another arrow lands in her leg. <laughs> you imagine? You don't even have time to register the fact that this girl died. Another arrow just comes at you and lands in the body that just collapsed in front of you. Oh my god. Akamatsu stands in the distance with a crossbow so Nanahara throws his flashlight at his face and runs for it. Akamatsu falls and loses his glasses when another student finds his crossbow asking if it's his akamatsu runs at him so the other student shoots and kills him in self-defense you feel bad for the two of them because akamatsu's like what the fuck am i doing yeah we end up seeing this weird moral dilemma between them where they want to survive and this goes for all of them we see it play out horribly later mm -hmm. for another group they want to survive but they have this weird moral high ground of well you've already killed someone so you are bad like you're a threat but never the if i kill them i'm in the same standing right nanahara and noriko hide in a cave where they find out their weapon is a pot lid and binoculars i would be so mad <laughs> yeah. a lid a pot lid. At least that one you could probably use to smash someone's head in. But binoculars you could use to see if anyone's coming. But like, how is that a weapon? It's it, not no, a weapon. it's not. Yeah. Are you saying work together, or is it like kill someone to get a better one? 
Probably that. Nanahara says he hopes they can all make it out alive, but Noriko says she doesn't trust any of them and has a flashback to the other girls roasting her in a bathroom. Nanahara asks if she's scared of him, but she says he's the only one she trusts. Noriko reminds him of Nobu, and we get this odd flashback to Nanahara and Nobu talking about how Nobu has a crush on Noriko and invited him back to school. Noriko blames herself for inviting him back now that he's dead, and Nanahara says he's going to get revenge for him and protect her until the end. Yeah, there is this obvious romance that goes on between these two characters. It's just odd, right? Like, there's no buildup, really. Not that much chemistry. Well, they're ninth graders. How much chemistry can they really have other than class? Got them. And I don't think we need to explain it. There's literally a character later whose like entire storyline is that he's looking for a girl who he loves. And she's like, bro, you've never even said a word to me. That makes more sense to me because that feels genuinely high school. True. I mean, so does this. If Nanahara, like the whole time, let's say, knew that Nobu liked her. He likes her too, but he's always kind of like stood off because his friend likes her. Turns out she likes him too. What is it? Platonic love? I suppose so. It's just... Makes sense, because without the motivation of his best friend cared for this girl, so therefore I'm going to protect her, them teaming up wouldn't make too much sense off the bat. Right. Meanwhile, a soldier lets Kitano know that Kiriyama's been taken hostage by Numai and his gang. We see the gang throwing Kiriyama around while saying they're not going to kill each other, but he spits in one of their faces and takes their machine gun, giving him the upper hand to kill everyone at once. Before he leaves, he takes another handgun and some grenades, so now he's super equipped. Elsewhere, two students decide they're not going to play the game and throw themselves off a cliff, sadly. This is so sad. It's so Romeo and Juliet. The girl is clearly accepted. I'm not playing this shit, and yeah. I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. satisfaction. And the guy's like crying his eyes out. Definitely portrays the turmoil in your head in a moment like that. In the shed, Megumi looks over photos of Mimura when someone comes in through her door. Megumi puts up her taser but realizes it's Mitsuko. Mitsuko messes with her asking if she can come in and Megumi tries to make peace saying although their groups were never friendly to each other, they're all right, right? Ugh. This is also where we see the iconic like grin with the light. It's Mitsuko with mm. the flashlight. Mitsuko sees the pictures of Mimura causing Megumi to let her guard down. Mitsuko jokes around with her taser and when she offers it back, she attacks Megumi, putting her sickle around her neck. She says she found two students hung next door and doesn't want to die like them before pulling on the sickle to rip Megumi's neck out. I think it's implied that the couple next door that hung themselves was also a couple like the people from the cliff. But then later, I can't tell if the dub was wrong. A girl accuses mitsuko of like sleeping with them before they hung themselves and i'm like what is this story i keep getting yeah. thrown into stuff that i don't understand is happening i think there's definitely just bad translation in the dub again i think this movie deserves a second watch on my end at least to fully understand what we're missing here because yeah i don't get this plot i kind of get the plot for this character but it's lost a little bit the next morning, Kitano calls out the names of all the dead students so far before giving all the danger zones in their times. I can't hear danger zone without thinking of that song. I way to the danger zone. <laughs> you <laughs> never heard this song? No. <laughs> Noriko realizes Megumi is dead, but Nanahara pushes her along because they're in a danger zone. They're ambushed by Oki, who attacks them with an axe. Nanahara uses the lid to defend himself, so ends up working out. But they fall down a hill, causing Oki to lodge the axe in his own head. We don't 
truly see whether Oki put it in his own head or if Nanahara did it in self-defense. Point is that they were both rolling down, and when they get to the bottom, the axe is already in his head. Another student watches the whole thing, thinking Nanahara killed Oki and runs. Nanahara also can't believe he might have killed someone and yells at Noriko to tell him the truth, but suddenly another student shoots at them while yelling out algebra equations. He says he's going to survive and get into a good school, but before he can shoot at them again, he gets shot by Kawada. I was like, okay, he's the nerd. How do we make him sound like the nerd? Make sure everyone knows he's the nerd. (laughs) X plus Y plus B equals I gotta get into a good school. Here are my bullets. Did this turn into a rap? No. I mean, that's how he kind of comes out of the forest. He asks them what weapons they have, and when he realizes they're useless, he just takes the axe and handgun from the other dead students. Kawada, by the way. Suddenly, they hear Kusaka over a megaphone telling everyone to stop fighting and meet them at a peak nearby to figure out what to do together. Bad idea, Kusaka. Yeah. Hey, we're over here. We're a big-ass red target. Come kill us. Everyone. <laughs> Let's all actually get together here, and then those who are actually playing the game can just do it all at once and save everybody time. Nanahara grabs Noriko to head that way, but Kawada stops them, saying it's too dangerous with no weapon. Kawada fires off a warning shot, and Kusaka and Yukiko duck for it when Nanahara yells for them to run. They realize it's Nanahara, and Kusaka takes the chance to yell out that Yukiko has always had a crush on him before Kiriyama shows up and just guns them down. I find it so funny that all the little crushes are played into the story, but, like, priorities, man. You're (laughs) gonna die. Maybe that's part of it, right? Like, I'm going to die. I'm going to confess my crush, at least. These are children. children. Remind the viewer that these are literally just kids. And what do kids think about? Crushes and their game and being Algebra equations. Picking on each other in algebra. Yeah. He grabs the megaphone and puts it up to one of their mouths and shoots them so the screams can be heard nearby. Dark. Kawada tries to pull them to run, but Nanahara can't believe they're all killing each other. Kawada says if they can't handle it, then they should just kill themselves. Otherwise, they need to stop trusting anyone and run. He's got a point. You You gotta stop thinking that you could trust all your classmates. They're clearly offing each other. Yeah, you've already witnessed so many murders. More names in Danger Zones are read out by Kitano when we cut to Mitsuko finding Hirono waiting for her with a gun at her hideout. Hirono wants to know if she killed Megumi and says her neck was slit with something like Mitsuko's sickle. She deduces it was Mitsuko because she found a tampon and noticed she started her period the day before. How would Hirono know that? Yeah, unless you're friends and you know... You're on the same schedule. Yeah. We get thrown into this whole backstory where Hirono says Mitsuko has sex with all the guys and had Yoshimi date old pervs for cash. So she was probably the one who hung her too. This is where I was saying that like, if you read the subtitles, it says the story about having Yoshimi date old pervs, but then you hear the dub and it's like, you probably had Megumi have sex with them before you hung them yourself. And I was like, yeah, that, that's darker, <laughs> I think. This is probably in the book somewhere. Where right. Mitsuko has this whole like backstory. An interesting backstory that I want to know more about, but it's just completely lost in translation. Yeah. Mitsuko asks why everyone always gangs up on her, but Hirono tells her to stop faking it, kicking her down until Mitsuko turns on her with the taser. Mitsuko takes the gun and shoots Hirono before she can get away, adding one more kill to the counter. Only 23 to go. There are so many characters in this. So many. That I don't even realize who dies when. And I, again, think it could have benefited from a couple movies where you get to know each character a little better. This would even work as like a series, a TV series. I think it would do great as a TV series. Like forget about remaking it. Just make it a show. That'd be awesome. That would be better, I think. Yeah. You hear us? Do that. Make a better show. You know what? Netflix, buy the rights to this and make a decent show out of it. Yeah. And if not, someone else do it. HBO Max? Somebody. Hulu? 
You listen to the show, obviously. Obviously. Nanahara finds that Noriko has a fever before she passes out. He carries her until they find a house occupied by Kawara. Kawara helps take care of Noriko, and Nanahara wonders why. So Kawara just says it's because his dad's a doctor. I didn't write down any of the rest of these because it's just a running joke that only yeah. works by watching it. But Kawara has this like running gag where anytime he knows how to do anything and they ask him, how do you know how to do this? He's like, my dad was this. A chef. My dad was a doctor. My yeah. dad was an engineer. My dad was whatever. It's which is a funny. cute bit. It yeah. Is. <laughs> Elsewhere, Sugimura finds Memora and two other students struggling to carry a generator up some stairs, so he helps them. They start up the generator, and a computer flashes a program that Memora is happy to see works. They wonder how Sugimura found them, but he shows them his weapon was a GPS unit. He's looking for Chigusa and Kotohiki, but the others say they haven't seen them. Memora says they're looking for a way out and wants Sugimura's help, but Sugimura says he's going to continue his search. Mimura just tells him to let Nanahara know where they are if he runs into him. So Mimura seems to be, outside of Nobu, another one of Nanahara's like close friends when we get the flashbacks of the basketball game. They're all playing basketball together on this team. Yeah. Mimura notices the necklaces have mics, so he calls the others over to read his messages on the computer. He tells them they need to find fertilizer, pesticide, charcoal, sulfur, and kerosene. Immediately, I was like, oh, he's making a bomb. But these guys are like, what? What is this for? And he's like, shut the hell up oh, and go get it. Immediately, I knew he was making a bomb. I would be one of the people who was like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> really? We cut to Chikusa running while Sugimura rides a bike behind her. And I didn't realize it till the second watch that they're not wearing the colors in this flashback scene. We realize that it's just her imagination when she turns back to look at Sugimura. Sugimura, again, is that guy who we just saw with the GPS unit. She takes a break from running when Nita finds her. Nita is the guy who we saw killed the other dude with the crossbow on accident. Yes. He ends up being a real creep. He asks her if she's a virgin just to make fun of Sugimura for not being a man enough. This pisses Shigusa off, but Nita continues and asks if she'll have sex with him. She rejects him and stands her ground that if he doesn't let her go and tries to kill her, she's gonna do everything she can to kill him. He says he'll force himself on her, but she yells, try it, causing him to stumble back and fire a shot. It grazes her face and ominously she's like... You son of a bitch. <laughs> like, she's menacing. This person who plays Chikusa, she ends up being in Kill Bill later on. Oh, that was my fun fact. You still... Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she plays Gogo Yubari mm-hmm. in Kill Bill. I have never seen Kill Bill. No? Ooh, she has, like, a really iconic role. I think her death is also, like, iconic. ingrained in my mind. Yeah. Would Kill Bill be a horror? Because I've seen some of the kills in that, and it looks pretty gory. Or exaggerated kills in anything horror. This is an interesting <laughs> question. What passes the threshold into horror? Don't fight us. I don't care. I'm going to just say if it's scary to someone, it's horror, okay? She attacks him with her knife and finally manages to pin him down and stab him first in the crotch over and over and then into his chest. Good for her. Yeah. Because fuck this guy. And I do like like her. I could see why she was probably cast in Kill Bell after this. Yeah, she's like, oh, I was chilled, but the moment you cross the line, I'm <laughs> But you fucked you around, and now you gotta find out. Mitsuko watches behind the bushes and makes eye contact with Chikusa before shooting at her, but Chikusa manages to get away. However, it doesn't look like Chikusa got away without being hit. Sugimura finds her, but she thinks it's another trick before he assures her he's real. He sits her up, and before she dies, she asks him whether she's the one he loved. She knows it's not her, but uses her last breath to say, he looks really cool. Pretty sad. You couldn't lie to her, dude. She's dying. <laughs> I feel bad for her. Yeah, because I'm like, she clearly loves... And then the girl he ends up loving... It's like he's never, never even talked to you before. It really is high school crush drama. I just wanted to tell you, you look really cool. 
Again, is that a translation thing? <laughs> yeah, probably. Katana yells out only three names this time and says they've been slacking, so he's added more danger zones every hour. This is something that maybe I'm tainted by having seen the Hunger Games first. When in the Hunger Games, there are danger zones. Something actively dangerous is happening in there aside from everyone trying to kill everyone. Mm. So there's like killer animals, the mist that will kill you if you just touch it by entering that zone. I wonder if in the novel that is what happens in these zones, but it, it was just like scrapped for the movie. Because what makes them dangerous? If you're in it, your necklace goes off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you're that's it? Yeah. Okay. Because your neck will blow up. Ah, oh, that's unfair. <laughs> yeah, you're just... Oh, I didn't hear the announcement. I was still sleeping. Yeah. I just got fucked. I mean, I'm dead. I can't be like, I got fucked. But <laughs> you just wake up in heaven or hell and you're just like, bro, I was... <laughs> like those TikToks <laughs> yeah. where it's just the flash and the, the person's in heaven. Like, oh, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Taking a nap, dude. Kawara and the others are eating when he tells them his backstory. He shows them a picture of a girl named Keiko and says they had to play the game three years ago. See, three years ago. So then this is... Well, past three years, yeah. yeah. He flashes back to the two of them amongst several bodies. The time limit was approaching, and we see them panic as their collars start beeping. They hug, and Keiko shoots Kawada, but as he falls, he shoots back dramatically at her, Obviously. regretting his decision and holding her as she dies. He says he never understood why she smiled at the end, and that trusting others is a really hard thing to do. Yeah, I wouldn't trust fucking anybody if I had to live through this. No. Not I would also not go back. After my loved one just killed me? Yeah. And he says it really with a lot of attitude. He's like, I really don't want to know what that smile is about. Before she died, that's why I'm here. It's very good acting. That is exactly how he said it. <laughs> Nanahara asks why he's playing the game again, and Kawara says they drugged him and brought him to make things interesting. He then says he's going to find out what Keiko's smile was all about. Noriko's like, bro, she probably loved you and smiled for making her feel that way. She's like, I'd do the same and looks over at Nanahara. Wink. <laughs> Subtle. Kawara says he has a way off this island and has them weapons when they hear gunshots approaching. Outside, we see Kiriyama kill another student named Oda, but when Kiriyama walks away, we see Oda reveal he has a bulletproof vest on. His celebration ends short when Kiriyama jumps down at him from the roof with a sword. Celebrated too loud, too soon, my friend. Yeah, dude. Play dead. <laughs> While he looks over the body, he hears movement inside the house and starts creepily trying to make his way in, even sliding his bloody hand up and down on the window. This is a creepy scene. Suddenly, Oda's head is tossed in and reveals Kiriyama shoved a grenade in his mouth. The grenade explodes, and while Kiriyama shoots into the house, Nanahara decides to be the hero by acting as bait. For some reason, another explosion happens after he jumps out the window. It's like a weird cut where he's like, make sure the Nordico's safe. The grenade already went off, and when he goes to jump out the window, another explosion blasts Nanahara out the window. It was the aftershock. <laughs> yeah. And then when the explosion happens, and Nanahara is like, just outside the window, it shows Nanahara in the water, shooting back, and Kiriyama running after him, shooting. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. The it's way. an awkward cut. I <laughs> yeah. did notice that. Kiriyama gives chase, finally cornering him, and while he realizes he's out of bullets, Nanahara shoots him time after time in the chest. Time after time. From this point on, everyone's going to get shot a million and ten times and not die. Oh my god, yes. Why? Unrealistically, just like flailing yeah. and then still just having still to walking talk. towards their victim, prey, whatever, <laughs> just constantly getting shot. So Kiriyama just laughs and calmly reloads his gun. Kiriyama finally shoots, but Nanahara manages to get away with the help of Sugimura, who was sleeping nearby. Mimura and the others are done collecting the ingredients they were looking for, and he explains his grandfather is the reason he learned so many things that they don't teach in school. He takes a trigger out of his necklace that he explains was from a bomb his grandfather tried to blow up parliament with and asks for the others to join him to do the same here. 
His grandpa sounds pretty cool. Yeah, because he's like, he's out there somewhere right now, probably. blowing <laughs> Just toppling up. entire governments. <laughs> yeah. At a lighthouse, Nanahara wakes a bandage up in front of another student named Yukie. She says Sugimura brought him here and left to find someone. So she reveals that five students were killed while he's been out. And we see that two of them were done by Mitsuko while having sex with them. It's just in passing like it just shows her putting her clothes back on and the two students naked it's too grainy to see but it looks like she cut their dicks off so this character was just bloodthirsty from the beginning she was ready for this day one she might have been doing this before if she won this shit she definitely would have been doing it after you know and it's unsatisfying that they give us her backstory right before her death because had they given us the tragic backstory early on and been like this is why she is this way you, you kind of root for her. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, so no, good for her. Like, she's taking revenge on people who've always wronged her. At the very least, I wanted her to kill Kariyama. And it looked like it was going to go down that way, but it didn't. And it was very unsatisfying. No, because they had to have the manly My man. Own. But then don't make an awesome man. character so good at killing. Tragic backstory. Obviously, you're going to root for them. And I think that's where this movie fails in having, like, so many characters that you don't necessarily care about, know the story of yet. I almost kind of prefer her to win than noriko we find out later that they're rooting for noriko to be the one that wins which is like some weird stuff with the teacher it which is. i don't like the interactions that they show still are too innocent to imply that his interest in her is weird yeah it's weird but it is weird it is weird it's yeah. my point but they try to still make it seem like it's just a teacher-student relationship because he gives her ice cream and stuff like that so I, I think it's like this kind of moral high ground where Noriko is like the virginal, the pure, the innocent. Therefore, she must win and be protected. Mitsuko, who is sexually active, Back actively right. murdering people, is not the one that is deemed worthy of being a winner. But honestly, to audiences like me, she's the much more interesting character. Yuki tells this stuff to Nanahara and he's happy to hear that Mimura and the others are waiting for him and she tells him she's safe with her and her friends Haruka, Satomi, Yuka, Shisato, and Yuko. She gets serious though and wants to know if Oki's death was an accident because Yuko saw it happen. Nanahara reassures her it wasn't on purpose and wants to get back to Kawara to find a way out. She tells him to rest and then they'll talk about it. <clears throat> Sorry, I was like, I'm getting thrown off. It's just like the fucking beelines into romance that these lines take. Just really like, shoving hey, the romance yeah. in there. Because <laughs> she's like, no, 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 you need to rest. But also, guess who's got a crush on you? Priorities. Uh, they start talking about who he likes real quick because she's bandaged him up. And she's like, I saw you naked. You're the first man I've ever seen naked. It's crazy. It's, which is like, <laughs> does she like him now? Because, <laughs> because I saw him naked. Because I saw you naked. Now I like it. Yeah. Contact high. Your face is not that great, but Javadi <laughs> is doing it for me. She goes back down to help with lunch, but locks him up because the others don't trust guys. Cut to Yuko holding a vial of poison while getting a flashback of Nanahara killing Oki. Yukie reassures her that it was an accident, and they go about their business until Yuko decides she's going to bring Nanahara his food. Yuka comes in excited that Nanahara is awake and takes the plate from Yuko, who we just saw put the poison in it. Yuka just eats it up while Yuko watches nervously in the corner, and she does kind of attempt to stop her, but she's like, I mean... Fuck. <laughs> Why didn't she stop her? Is She had time. Why for this entire scene that's about to take place? Don't take it. I poisoned it. Because then it's still going to escalate. They're going to be like, why'd you poison it? And I guess you could I don't argue. Trust uh, I saw him kill him. I obviously, he's going to say it was an accident. And if these are like your close friends. Also, detail that doesn't matter. But it bothers me that they're cleaning up a kitchen <laughs> when they're in the middle of fighting to the death. And Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you still got to eat sanitarily. I guess. You don't die from disease and bacteria. That's true. What happened? Oh, I was a survivor, but then I died a week I later because I got yeah. salmonella. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't cook my chicken all the way. <laughs> yeah. While Yukie tells them about the plan to drink Kawara, Yuka coughs up blood and dies right in front of them. This causes them all to go in a panic, and Satomi takes the gun, saying they're all suspicious. Even the argument's kind of funny. Haruka says she's the suspicious one for not sleeping, and when Satomi says it was because she forgot her sleeping pills, Haruka's like, that's even more suspicious. <laughs> it's not, though. <laughs> Again, this could be the translation. Yeah. But. Anyway, they all kill each other off, except for Yuko, who hides under a table. Yukie took the last shot, saying they all might have survived, but they were idiots. They're all just like, boo, 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 flailing at each other, taking so many shots in the chest. So many hits, and they still somehow get up and are able to... <laughs> get so many other people it's like a scene out of the matrix like the girl gets on top of the table and is like shooting at the three of them and the three of them are like bah, 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 bah. yeah we're laughing but if you <laughs> yeah. actually look at the scene the horror is that they're little girls who were friends two seconds ago who were friends two seconds ago actively shooting each other like they're at war <laughs> And it's sad because a few seconds before that, their plan was just to ride out three days and see what happens. The one girl's like, we can make it till tomorrow, right? <laughs> and Yuko had to go fuck it up. She could have just been like, do you guys do you guys mind if I just like go poison him? Just like one less problem I'll to worry about. Feel more comfortable, honestly. Yeah. We're friends though, right? <laughs> We're still friends, right? So Yuko blames herself and opens the door up for Nanahara who wants to know what's going on. She apologizes and runs upstairs while Nanahara goes down to see what happened. He can't believe it. But he goes back up to find that Yuko threw herself off the top of the lighthouse. I feel so bad for Yuko, but yeah. it's also her fault that's all happened. Which is what drove her to do that, right? I think this is my favorite scene in this entire movie, just because it escalates so quickly and it plays on like the innocence of children one minute, but then human nature to survive the next. When a lot of people are defending that the writer of The Hunger Games did not steal this material, they say that both of the novels were heavily inspired by Lord of the Flies, which is the similar premise that kids left unsupervised will result to this mm -hmm. to murdering in order to survive it is fucked it is a good scene i think it's one of the most memorable for me too one more thing that i want to point out yuko is at the bottom of the lighthouse and nanahara's like what does this mean true he was <laughs> locked up the entire time no idea what happened what does it mean elsewhere kawada and noriko are just chilling when we see noriko is having a dream she's eating ice cream with kitano besides some water they say stuff to each other, but we can't hear them. Kitano is also asleep, but he gets a call from his kid to hurry back because his mom is worried. The kid clearly doesn't give a shit about him, though, so Kitano just is, like, pissed and hangs up the phone. Nanahara tries finding the others and gets a flashback to eating with his dad. He's clearly stressed because he has no job, but tells Nanahara he can have whatever he wants since he's starting 7th grade. Nanahara just looks at him in silence the whole time until he flashes back to his father's death and collapses. He gets back up when he imagines Nobu waving and telling him to protect Noriko, though. Noriko runs out into the forest to find Nanahara, and Kawara tries to stop her because they're near a danger zone. He loses danger her, but... <laughs> but Noriko runs into Mitsuko. She pulls a gun on her, and right when she's about to shoot, she runs, noticing Kitano standing nearby holding an umbrella. Nanahara shows up and collapses in front of them, so Kitano hands her the umbrella and just walks off. He's like, oh, you're here too, and just like waddles off. Also, what's the chances that they would run into each other so easily? They run for like two seconds into the woods and Nanahara and Noriko are just like in front of each other. Noriko and Nanahara have this real awkward talk about how he's too weak to protect her. So he brought weapons and she's like, but why though? And he's like, because I got to protect you and I'm too weak and I brought weapons. And she's like, so that's why you brought weapons? He's like, that's why I brought weapons because I'm weak. Sugimura finds a warehouse where another student, Kotohiki, watches while hiding. She accidentally bumps a shelf and Sugimura Carl... Carl's... Carl? <laughs> 
She accidentally bumps the shelf and Sugimura calls out her name. Sadly though, she guns him down and he tells her to run because someone probably heard the gunshots. She realizes she fucked up and asks him why, but he's like, you're so cute. When you murder me. <laughs> he dies telling her he loved her for a long time. And we flash back to Sugimura straight up missing a layup in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Just L's. L after L, man. <laughs> She's like, you never even talked to me. How was I supposed to know while sobbing over his dead body? What am I supposed to do with this information? <laughs> She's like, what am I supposed to do? And then that's when Mitsuku says... Die. And then just shoots her. She says it so deadpan. Die. No emotion. <laughs> it is amazing. We get a flashback then to Mitsuko's fucked up past all of a sudden. Without going into too much detail, she's a kid in this flashback and her mother is clearly drunk on, or on drugs with some shady dude who keeps taking pictures of her. The dude tries to make a move on Mitsuko, but she shoves him down the stairs and kills him. We go back to the present where she says, no one will save you and that's just life. When suddenly she's shot up by Kiriyama. He thinks she's dead and takes her gun, but when he turns his back, she pulls out the taser and stuns him to the ground. It's like she puts up a fight. I thought, yeah, like you said, she I was going to kill, kill him. It would have been so satisfying to have her take out one of the big contenders. Right. She hits him with the sickle, but he reveals he's still wearing the bulletproof vest and shoots her several times while classical music plays. Does a bulletproof vest save you from a sickle? I mean, she could have gone for the head. Yeah. Writing shows up on the screen that says she just didn't want to be a loser anymore. So I think what we can imply here with what we're giving, with what we're given, is she feels like she's lost a lot in life. And given what we've seen of her mother and her situation, she wanted to come out on top of these games to make the suffering be worth it and not be a loser anymore in her own story. Yeah, would have definitely liked to see Mitsuko. At least make it make Mitsuko the, like the big bad. Honestly, that would have been more entertaining. Nanahara tells the others he needs to go see Mimura as we see Mimura furiously coding while the others complete the bomb. They all celebrate that they're ready and Mimura kicks off his third man hacker program. The soldiers run around in a panic as they look in awe at how fast the virus is spreading. They're just straight up looking at the screens panicking but they're just like whoa he's so fast whoa it's deleting all the files holy shit dude that's crazy look at it it's, it's just so admiring the craft <laughs> not even like panicking at what's actually <laughs> happening katano calmly turns off the power asking them to restart it giving Mimura and the others time to set up the bomb Mimura says they've got 15 minutes to blow up the school but one of them notices someone nearby i wouldn't have done this but this is basically why the plan fails this one guy is like, I think it's Nanahara, and calls out for him. And he's like, hey, we're over here. But Kiriyama reveals himself and shoots him down. Mimura fires back, but runs out of bullets quickly. When they decide to run back inside, Ijima gets shot down too. So in the last ditch effort, Mimura sets the bomb off, killing himself in the process. Unfortunately, even with everything that this group did, I was sad to see that their plan didn't go through at all. Yeah, just it feels like a whole side plot gone to waste i was rooting for them the whole time i was like oh cool like this is probably how they get out and again it would have been worth it if it killed kiriyama but nothing comes of it <laughs> no he's a true villain unkillable that's so boring he's got nothing no backstory he just likes killing people that's why he's here just it's just having a grand old time. boring i told you people who do shitty things get good luck get good luck yeah nanahara and the others show up just in time to see the explosion but only kiriyama is left walking around the fire Kawara goes in to face him and sees Kiriyama's eyes are completely white with bloody tears running down each cheek symmetrically like a supervillain. They fire shots at each other until Kawara finally shoots him in the neck, exploding the collar. The end. It's kind of funny because like if you look at Kawara, the way he's dodging the bullets, it's like... Like the Matrix. Breakdancing on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see into Kiriyama. Not satisfying, right? No, it... 
is kind of just like, all right, oh, now he's dead because we got to wrap this movie up. An explosion happened. Mitsuko couldn't kill him. All these other people who like, shot him couldn't kill him. like a story a little kid will tell. And then there's going to be an explosion, but he still survives. And then he's going to get shot in the neck and, and it's going to be crazy. He's going to have cool like blood in his eyes. He's going to have blood in his eyes. Yeah. yeah. I wonder <laughs> if that was like a callback to like Michael. Oh, do you think? In which? Uh, Halloween 2 with the bloody mask. You think so? Yeah, I don't know. We never know what like inspires anything. Inspires. Yeah. Because it's in the fire and he's bloody. <laughs> they like their fire. Yeah. yeah. Kawara, Noriko, and Nanahara are the only ones left. Kawara asks what they're going to do after they survive. So Nanahara says he's never trusted adults since his mom and dad left him because they felt like it. Fucked. Fair point. Yeah, his mom left and his dad was like, I'm done. Figure it out, man. He says he'll keep fighting until he becomes a real adult. Kawara says he's not going to make it and pulls his gun on him <laughs> for trusting him too much. They can't believe it, but he says he used them and fires two shots off screen while cutting back to Kitano. The soldiers make the order to go confirm the deaths, but Kitano says, nah, it's over, and stops them. All the soldiers leave, leaving Kitano behind to wait for Kawada. Kawada finally makes it out of the woods, and in the classroom, Kawada asks why Kitano didn't leave with the others. Kitano says he wanted to check something and waves his remote at Kawada's collar. He says Kawada figured out how to stop the necklaces, and that it was him and not Mimura who took the codes to control them. Hmm. That confused Plot me. twist. So Mora didn't do it. This guy's had it all along. But we never see any on-screen time of Kawara doing anything like that. Anything like that. Kitano pulls his gun on him for cheating when Anahara and Noriko run into the room pointing guns at him. Kitano is surprised they made it and goes on to say he's tired because his kid and students hate him. So they'll all be going down together. This whole ending is wild. There's so much shooting again in this scene <laughs> and nobody dies. He shows them a kid-like drawing of all the students killing each other while some midsummer-ass music plays. I told you this painting and like the music and everything kind of Very felt midsummer. like the end of midsummer. Yeah. Noriko is the only one alive in the center and Kitano says says she was the one he would have had survive. She puts her gun up to him as he urges her to do it. But Nanahara has a flashback to the writing his dad around him said, you can do it. And he's the one who shoots Kitano. Kitano gets back up to shoot them, but only water comes out of his gun. It's a water gun. It still startles Nanahara enough to shoot him again. So Kitano collapses. They all take their collars off when suddenly a phone rings. Kitano gets up, casually walks over to the sofa, and answers the phone nonchalantly. He tells his kid he's not coming home. And we can't hear it, but we assume they told him they hate him. He just says, if you hate someone, you'll have to live with the consequences. We assume they also call him irresponsible because he throws the phone angrily and shoots it saying, no one asked. <laughs> he eats the last of Noriko's cookies from earlier and dies for real this time. I... <laughs> They're all just like, what? <laughs> Same. Uh, what just happened? So much comedy in this last few minutes. And again, we've already hinted at this, that he had this kind of unnatural interest in Noriko. And for him to do this painting of her is just incredibly creepy. I would also say that she is so innocent that I don't think if she was on her own, she would have been able to survive. I think she would have been killed off immediately. Yeah, he's, I would have had you survive. How? Under what pretense? You threw Kuriyama in there, my guy. <laughs> you literally threw in two trained assassins. <laughs> yeah. They leave the island on a boat when Kawada lays down in the back saying he finally understands the meaning of Keiko's smile and last words. He says thank you and dies as we hear him say at the end, I'm glad I found a true friend. We get a screen that says Noriko and Nanahara are wanted for murder and aiding and abetting a murderer. They're left to live the rest of their lives in hiding, but not before Noriko went back to tell her sleeping parents goodbye and get the knife Noble used to stab Kitano. I don't think we stuck around the first time to see these, but they're mm -hmm. all called Requiems. And the first one's just another flashback to the students celebrating the team winning their basketball game. The second Requiem is of Nobu telling Nanahara to protect Noriko again. 
the third one, and it's the final one, is the conversation that Noriko had with Kitano in her dream. Kitano says she'll get picked on for hanging out with him. She says it's fine, and he asks if his classes are boring. She says, yeah, and he complains that it's hard to grow to like the students. That it was easier when you could slap them around and grow to like them with character or whatever. He says you can't slap a student now or you'll get fired even if they stab you. Noriko tells him she keeps the knife at home and treasures it. So it ends with him saying, what does an adult say to a kid in this moment? Very odd scene. What does it mean? Yeah. We saw this on Tubi. So if you're looking for a girl on Tubi, it is the dub version. So if you have a way to find the other non-dub version, do it. Definitely do it. But the sequel's on there and the sequel is not dubbed. It was still Japanese. I kind of want to check it out. I never even knew that there was a sequel. And I kind of like skimmed through it to see like, what's this one even about? And Nanahara's character returns. It's the same actor and everything. It looks like it's like the Resistance to the Battle Royale Act. Interesting. I only saw that the sequel did not get the success of the first one, which what sequel does. It's like when you deviate too much from what the original concept was, right? So like Battle Royale, the first one was, we see all these kids go crazy and kill each other. And then the second one's like, resistance to the act and it's not really centered around that first shocking notion that kids are killing each other. You're like, well, this is just another movie. Okay. Interesting that they basically con the game right there's two survivors and they're wanted by the government as murderers if you are the single survivor you're welcomed home with media attention and and sent back like kawada yeah so you're not actually winning anything you're kind of tied to the government forever which i think i guess is another commentary right that no matter yes. how much you think you beat the system they're still going to continue to try to control you're still you. a pawn so hard for me to talk about this movie objectively because i've read the hunger games and watched the movies and it's all very much around the same type of political commentary. Let's say she was inspired by this. You could see the star-crossed lovers ending up being the ones that win the game. You see the continued pawns of the government. You even see them return to the games and win of the sequels, like the two characters are in this one. These movies and books, I haven't read Battle Royale, seem so similar. Yeah, I, and I've always told you, like, I had not even, like, watched Hunger Games and I'd already seen this and I was like, I don't care. Like, I think it's good sure you can say the plot's like more well planned out or whatever but like they also had hollywood money and yeah, they, they did had all this other like production value that was thrown at them for and they it. had the plan already to make the sequels make yeah. you attach to each character yeah. with enough time i don't want to like take away from battle royale's like impact by talking about the hunger games because mm-hmm. the whole point is like battle royale did it first battle mm-hmm. royale did it well and to stuff a whole book into a movie like this one movie. Yeah. We already talked about the pitfalls of that. You lose a lot of like backstory. But when you talk about in 2000, a movie like this where you have kids killing each other, it's crazy. And I still could go back and watch Hunger Games and then go back and watch Battle Royale and be like, whoa, Battle Royale is still more intense. It is definitely the gorier of the two. Do you want to give our final opinions away from comparison? Yeah. Overall, I think this is an incredibly interesting premise for a movie, for a novel. It suffers from having too many characters, not enough time, not enough story for each character to get attached. But then it gives you characters that you root for that I don't think you're supposed to root for personally. And then characters that I find to fall a little flat, even though they're the main characters. Definitely, definitely, definitely cannot stress this enough. The translation, I think, robbed us of a better movie experience. Overall, it is a fun 
watch, which is what I always say, I will give it a 7.5 out of 10. Cool. I give this movie an 8. I really like this movie. Watching it over and over, I don't get bored. I feel like I always learn more things about Mm -hmm. some of these characters watching it over and over. Because again, there are so many characters that you lose. Like, wait, who are they referring to? Yeah. I think if you gave me this movie completely, let's say they did the American remake and they gave me 42 names in two hours. (laughs) Absolutely not. I don't remember. Yeah. With Game of Thrones, I told you. I watched all 10 seasons and I was like, I don't know who Could not tell you one fucking name from that show. (laughs) So now just cram that into two hours and yeah, it's tough. I think the action is good it keeps you interested and then i think that way it ends katano kind of being like i'm not dead actually i'm gonna go answer the phone i think it really drives in the you never know what to expect from the government i agree with what you said earlier that this film franchise would benefit so much from a series not a two-hour movie yeah you could even do like a half season thing where it's like half the characters are dead it's the end of season one that would leave you with such a good cliffhanger to be like oh no they've like set up all these really good characters who are still alive and then in season two you're like have to expect all your favorite characters to die pitching it here for you come on just make it we're putting it on a platter for you just just take it i will also say that again not knowing the political climate of when a dystopian novel is written kind of stops you from fully understanding the message sometime and i could definitely see how that would happen with this film Mm. although i will say it's always relatable yeah it's always kind of a universal message do you want to talk about what scared loki no i don't know what scared loki do you i can only recall that he was growling every time that katana would announce the deaths because it was like a megaphone yeah. voice we've said this before loki doesn't like disembodied voices who I think does it's like the, <laughs> i think it's like the fact that it sounds like echoey yeah loki was definitely not happy to hear who was dying especially when i'm sure mitsuko died he was like what the hell man give me more this is the best character best character you want to tell us about it loki We should take a video of when me, Ripley, and Loki are outside because it really does look like Battle Royale out there. It's like me, him, her, all just like rustling and throwing each other on the ground. And then Ripley just running in circles in the shed, Loki trying to catch up. And then I'm like grabbing both of them and then yelling. Yeah, it's a real Battle Royale out in the yard. (laughs) If anyone cares for a Ripley update, we've noticed that she likes to walk in circles a lot. Like she will circle everything and everyone. (laughs) It's so funny because it's like she's prancing like happily it's just so happy to be here yeah (laughs) because loki will just stand there and then ripley's just like with the little donut squeaker thing and she's just like walking around him in circles endlessly happy (laughs) elvira's like what about me (laughs) you always battle around me too i've tweeted about this today i don't know if you saw but she always claws your ankles (laughs) i'm literally living in fear all day every day (laughs) because she pounces at me from every corner bb says that she loves me I think she's out to get me. <laughs> we'll see. All right. As always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter. Twitter is Shaken Scared Pod. You can send us an email at shakenoutscaredpod at gmail.com. Support the show on Patreon. We have a bunch of bonus episodes over there, so make sure not to miss them. We just covered Better Watch Out in December. I freaking hate that kid. We did a watch along, so if you like that, go check it out. Otherwise, there are, what, 13 other episodes? I believe so. We have some fun commentary videos. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Give us a follow. Check out our drink videos. Send Loki a treat or Ripley or Elvira. And okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Tekken is a video game. Tekken is a video game. (laughs) Get it together.